Hello beautiful, you are listening to episode 64 of the Africana Woman podcast. Chulu is my name, I am a writer, self-branding coach, entrepreneur and mentor. This show is the home of African women's stories. We share ideas, triumphs, challenges and lessons from our perspective as women. Our library is a step to cementing our place in history. Her story, your story is powerful. Thank you so much for tuning in. Welcome to all the new listeners and welcome back to the Africana Woman family. Please hit the subscribe button or visit AfricanaWoman.com to become an official Africana Woman visionary. Many people ask me why I changed my career so abruptly. (laughs) And the answer is I love storytelling. I love the textures, the nuances, what lies between the lines. I love truth-telling. So you can imagine my thrill to host the lovely storytelling trio from Kenya. And they're called the Lamb Sisterhood, whose work is simply outstanding. I don't want to take too much of your time. Let's jump right into the conversation. It began with a ululation in November 2017 to Laura and Mora. Together, they ululated back to Alea. The three ululated together and many, many women responded. Together, they found Mishere Mugo asking, where are those songs? My mother and yours always sang and realized they were not alone. They wanted to celebrate extraordinary Kenyan women from history. Nine months later, the brazen edition was staged. That first ululation resulted in what could what would be called one of the most inspiring and multi-layered productions seen at the Kenya National Theatre in recent times and would sell out five times and win several national awards. They found their dreams in each other. They found a sisterhood. Now, Laura Ekumbo, Alea Kasam, and Anne Mora are the Lamb Sisterhood, a story company telling stories for African women to feel seen, heard, and beloved. They work in the realm of life writing, where they use rigorous research, their imagination, and feminist storytelling skills to create compelling narratives in a variety of mediums, from children's storytelling to musical theater, podcasting to film, and much more. I am so excited to welcome the Lamb Sisterhood to the podcast. Guys, you don't even understand that this has been a long time coming, and we have finally been able to all get together and have this conversation. And I think when you heard the bio, you understand why they are such amazing women to be speaking to the Africana woman community. So Laura, Alea, Mora, welcome to Africana Woman Podcast. Thank you so much for for having us. It's such a warm welcome. Thank you. Ah, oh, you are so I'm, like I'm excited. I don't under, I don't think you know how excited I am. But anyway, <laughs> so Laura, tell us your favorite childhood memory. <laughs> oh my gosh! Wow. 
Oh, what a great question. Okay, so <laughs> I think my favorite childhood memory is um in our school we had these big um drainage things so when it rained they would fl- they would flood up and we would throw leaves into the water and what and race the leaves basically and i i we had like playgrounds that and and the drainage system would go all along the playground and we'd be running across in the hallways bumping into people trying to see whose leaf is going the fastest and it was always best when like the water was moving super super fast i was very competitive i'm a competitive person and also very delightful and just like perfect play almost <laughs> that's one of my favorites that's the one that comes to mind now at least yeah. i haven't been asked such a question in a long time <laughs> that sounds so much fun i like it you're competitive with the leaves <laughs> <laughs> So, Alea, could you tell us your favorite childhood story? And I heard that you like Shira. Can I just say like this two of us like <laughs> Juno, who told you I like Shira? I love it. Oh my gosh, you have sent me. Oh. My favorite childhood story is the one that my mom tells of one of the things that happened to us when we were little kids. She was telling my little nephew this story. And we used to play badminton in the garden. And um, the shuttlecock got stuck in the tree. And so we threw up a shoe to try and dislodge the shuttlecock. And the shoe got stuck in the tree and the shuttlecock remained. And then they threw the racket and then the racket got stuck. And it continued escalating and escalating and escalating until every single family member was around the tree. The entire extended custom family looking at items that they could throw up at the tree to dislodge the shuttlecock. And eventually I think it was like dusk and like the sun was setting. And the last thing to go up was a bicycle. And the shuttlecock came down, but the bicycle got stuck up on the tree. (laughs) And then the next day at school, we were told to write down like a composition of what had happened over the weekend. And I wrote down the story. And apparently my mom says the homework was sent back with like, oh, Alea has such a vivid imagination. (laughs) And I remember the story because my mom was telling the story to my little nephew. I was like, this is actually a really great story. It is. It is. So, Maura, could you tell us your favorite childhood song? Favorite childhood song? Oh, my God. You've made me remember a story about my favorite childhood song, which is wildly inappropriate for a seven-year-old, but I was about it. Um, so I'll give you the full story. So I loved this song. I'll even, I'll even save. I'm a writer. I'll save the twist for the end. And I, I had a purple skirt suit that was velvet with black trim and gold buttons. I still believe I looked very fierce. And it was about two sizes too small. You know, like the thing you love when you're a kid and you love something so much and you can't ever let it go. And I was listening to this song. I got obsessed with it. And then one day, what I later found out was a very serious family meeting about, you know, the uncles and aunties all gathered together trying to figure out how to pay for their baby sister's education. 
and like, you know, everyone's struggling, how to put money together, like a really intense meeting. And I go downstairs and I'm like, I don't know what you all are talking about, but it is my time to shine. And I began singing and I quote, I'll just say the lyrics. A la 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 long, a la 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 long, a la 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 long, 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 come on. Girl, and I knew all the words. Girl, I'm going to make you sweat. Sweat till you can't sweat no more. And I was doing the full, like, whiny, like, dance moves, like, fully. And, you know, when the adults are so shocked, they don't even know how to discipline you. They're just kind of like, what just just happened? (laughs) So I did my whole performance, a full song. And my purple, too tight, too short skirt suit. And then I just remember being like, oh, okay. So go back to your room. And it's like, okay. And then I just left. <laughs> like, cool, I've done my thing. And I bounced. It was like years later, maybe like four years ago. She told me like, that was the weirdest thing you ever did. <laughs> to this day, nobody knows why you decided. <laughs> Nobody knows what it meant. You just did it and then left and you were fine. You just wanted to perform and then you were fine. <laughs> so, yeah. So that's, that's it sounded like both, there was an audience. My favorite so, you know. song and memory. Yeah, that's amazing. How old it's were you? It's a banger. It's a good song. How old were you? Maybe seven. At the most. <laughs> Yeah. Cool. I love each and every one of those stories that you have shared with us. And I guess I wanted to find out from you why is storytelling so important to you? I mean I can I can go. (laughs) I think for me there are multiple layers to that question, which tells you a bit about myself. (laughs) I always find multiple layers. Um Stories keep memories alive. I think uh, stories are are also a way to expand our imagination. Um, Stories are places to escape to when you're in a place that you don't want to be in. Um, Stories can be uh, teaching tools. Um, Stories are like how we function. Like we function based on a story. Like I need to wake up in the morning and then do this and this. And we've told a story in our minds about the day and how the day exists. I think story governs our lives so much in a, in, in a way that it's like unavoidable. Um, and so in, in telling stories, I, I get to take control of all those many, many elements that are so often just not in my control and create worlds that can be mine and can 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 say the things that I'm wanting to say about everything happening around me in my own way and then share that perspective with other humans and then find maybe humans who think in the same way and find community or find people who want to tell the story in a different way and find new imaginations or different imaginations and explore and play and live (laughs) yeah so do you think that you've always been storytellers i think everyone is a storyteller from the beginning they are coming to this earth Mm. i mean kind of making meaning of your existence no matter how young you are and 
figuring out your place in the world and how things work. And um, I think um, what happens actually is, is if you're unlucky, the storytelling gets almost kind of beaten out of you, mm-hmm. you know, beaten is a heavy word, but like um, you, it, you, you sometimes don't have the, the same space for it as you do when you're young, but it's absolutely in us. And actually that's not even true. You go to any bar, you go to any like salon, you go to like, it remains in us. It's just that sometimes a thing is called storytelling and it's given preference as storytelling and considered and viewed as such when really we spend our whole lives going around telling each other stories all the time. Yeah, that's so true. That's so true. Um, I'm, I was recently doing, um, well, I'm still in the middle of it, doing a marketing, um, teaching a marketing class. And I've been telling the story, the ladies that, you know, when you when it comes to, um, you know, figuring out what your brand is, it's all about storytelling. But it's it feels like um, there's sort of like a block in people's mind to really go and find the stories. Like what is that thing that has inspired you to do the business that you're doing, to make the product that you're making, right? They're just like, no, because, you know, people need it. And I'm like, no, 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 you have to go back. And I wonder how, um, would you have any advice on women for women or even anyone listening to be able to peel back and really go through what are, what is that story where where was it born where was my passion born you know i'm smiling at mara <laughs> <laughs> i know like i assumed we were taking turns <laughs> um i'd say i think the number one tip everyone i've worked with and something i had to discover for myself as well was that if you think it's interesting, somebody else will too, you know? Like sometimes, especially as African women, you don't think the thing, you know, that moment that you were looking at a cup of tea and it tasted really nice, but then it missed a little bit of lemon and you're like, man, I wish there was lemon tea. Like you don't think that that's enough of a story for you to describe why you made a lemon tea brand, hypothetically. But it actually is... I'm like, yeah, sometimes all I want is tea in my life. I really want lemon. I fully relate. Like, that's a very, like, terrible example. But the thing that you might not think is interesting, that you don't think is a good enough story, if you think it's interesting, I promise you somebody else will find it interesting. And more importantly, that the more specific you are about your story, the more universal it becomes. I think sometimes people are so worried about pleasing everyone. Whereas if you really tell that one story about yourself, um, about your thinking, about what's interesting to you. Even when you're writing fiction, right? You're not writing generic African woman went to the market. You're saying, you know, Alisa, who, who with dark hair and like thick nails, whose eyes reminded you of her grandmother went to the market. Like you get really specific because that's what makes the story universal, so I'd say like not for me and you can, you know, you're teaching a whole course. <laughs> I think the number one lesson is like, like what you have to say is interesting and the more specific you can get, the better. Don't be afraid to believe in your own story and in your own truth, because I promise you somebody wants to hear it. 
Ooh, ladies, have you heard? Your story is important. I love that. You know, um, I interact a lot with um, women, and I think that there's we as much as we tell stories, there's also the stories which are, I'd say, like limiting beliefs, you know, or it's that negative story that we don't even realize we're telling ourselves. How do you think... Um, women should go about, you know, changing the story. I don't know if, and, and I think it's also a matter of people not even realizing that they can change their story. But then there's the story that you, you made when you were young and you told yourself, this is, this is how it's always going to be, but you can actually change it. I, I don't know. What would you say about that? I think sometimes like the point of view, um, of who's telling the story and how they're telling it. And so, for example, one of the stories that we told in the Brazen Edition was the story of the woman who took down Luanda Maguire. And it's a very famous, like, mythological story. And in the way that it's told and in the ways in which the world uh, is most familiar hearing it, the woman was a traitor, Um, And when you shift perspectives and when you sit in her truth, she was a hero to her people. And so I think there's also something interesting around thinking about whose framework you're fitting into, um, thinking about how the story is being told, thinking about why the story is being told, um, thinking about to what end the story is being told for, we're also very used to hearing stories about us that are framed in a certain way. And part of that um, triumph is a reclaiming of the story and telling it your way, in your language, in the narrative style that is yours, and like putting yourself at the center. And then even a story that might feel negative can be reclaimed when you bring the world to gather around you as Tony Morrison like says, you know, drag it to your feet. Um, and, and that's something that sometimes requires training, like training yourself and like requires, and I've learned through sisterhood, um, you know, and like insistence that no matter what my story, that out, we're allowed to be complicated, that we are complicated, that things don't have to exist in a simple singular narrative that is neat and tidy and fits into the narrative that the world is used to. We're allowed to be nuanced and textured and messy. And that too is beautiful. Ah, you guys just make me so happy. Okay. (laughs) I think what you were saying was really, I think if if I was to sum it up, it would be make yourself the heroine of the story, of your story. Um, You know, a lot of times we, you, you hear about the hero's journey, but you have to make yourself that leading, starring person in your story. Right. And I, I, yeah, that's great. So I have so many questions about one, the brazen edition. <laughs> so um, I think my my top question about um, the production that you made was, what was it like for you to 
be telling a story of living history because there was two um, stories that you told um, where they were, they were still alive. I don't know if they're still alive right now, but you know, they attended. What was that experience like for you? I mean, so piggybacking off of what Alaire just shared, even with uh, the stories that we chose to tell for the Brazen edition, we chose to tell the stories of six women, Field Marshal Mutoni Wakirima, Zarina Patel, Wangu Wamakeri, Chalagat Mutai, um, the woman who took down Luanda Magere, and there's a sixth person who I've blanked out on now completely. Allah is typing it. Mekatilili Wamenza, which is strange because Mekatilili Wamenza shows up everywhere. She's the one who refuses to be forgotten and yet. <laughs> and so because we set out to uninvisible the, the lives of women in Kenya's history, we wanted to make sure that the women were from different backgrounds um, and they did different types of brazen things and they encompassed different choices, different ways of um, living so that everybody could feel like they could connect with one or something as someone. Um, and so in making those choices, when we, when we, when we chose to tell the stories of Filmash Mudoni Wakirima and Zarina Patel, knowing they're alive, um, we, we also knew we must interview these women <clears throat> and ask permission to tell their stories because they are, they are, they are living and, and to, um, invite them for the show. Uh, which luckily they said, yes, they could have said, first of all, they could have said, no, don't tell my story. It's mine. I don't want. <laughs> and then they could have also said, I'm not coming to see your show. Why? I play. <laughs> oh. um, and then they came for the same show on a Saturday afternoon. And I remember the moment that Phil Masha Mudoni, and she showed up late in, 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 no, she showed up on time, on her time. <laughs> she walked into the side door and she sat in front. And there are parts of the script because we had interviewed her where she was like, I remember like, like going along with us. Um, and afterwards, after we did that show, we all gathered outside the Kenya National Theater. The entire cast, the entire audience, at least the ones who, recognize that those two women were in the audience um and we shared a moment where i at least i think for me that was like i don't know the lamb the lamb sisterhood as it is wasn't birthed but that that feels like a birthing moment for the lamb sisterhood because it was such a they said thank you they said thank you for telling their stories and they they stood in that moment where contemporary women were remembering them in their lifetime and they were grateful. Um, and we were grateful that they were grateful. And it, at least for me, it was a journey of um, fulfillment um, and, and validation that we're going on the right path. Um, yeah. <laughs> And many, 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 many tears and a lot of twerking and many pictures and all the vibes. Yeah, I would be the person with the tears for sure. Like, terrible. <laughs> but that is so beautiful that, you know, the, you know, the saying like, um, give people their roses, like whilst they're still here. And that's exactly what you ladies did. And that's so beautiful that they um they they came and they watched and you know they um 
were grateful that you had put it together. And I mean, for them to say thankful, then it must, they must have felt like their story um, was told in a way that they, um, that they felt reflected who they are. Cause you know, many times there's like movies about people and they're like, Mm-mm. <laughs> that was a lie. Like it didn't quite, you know, get the whole gist of what, um, or what I'm about. But I think that's, that's really, really amazing. So, and sorry, Chulu, just, just to add, because there was another element that, um, I've just remembered as you were recapping, <laughs> which was, the fact that so many people showed up to hear those women's stories, the recognition that young people are interested in hearing the stories of women in Kenya's history and women who are alive, who have made it possible for Kenya to exist. And they showed up and they wanted to listen and they wanted to learn. And because that theater was full, full of girls and boys of all age ranges. And that was also another element that I think made it more potent. Did you ever um, consider taking the show like on a tour? Yes. <laughs> so one of the reasons um, the Brazen Universe exists. So the Brazen Universe is the storytelling um, premise. Is actually... I don't know what else to call it that aims to fill the is that aims to make African women the center of the universe by telling stories in multiple medias and in multiple platforms. Right. So this includes the Cabrazen's podcast and it includes um, another podcast series. It includes the play. It includes a musical and development. Like it's a whole bunch of different storytelling. And the, one of the reasons that was born was because when we we're looking at the Raisin edition, it was co-produced with Stories Zetu, which does Twirly for Birds, which does a lot of really great historical storytelling work. And it needed to be co-produced because it was a big production. We wrote Aslam, we wrote, starred, <laughs> acted, researched. There was a lot. The cast and crew was at a very polite, gentle count, 35 plus people. If you really include everyone, it's huge. So it's a massive production and something we're incredibly proud of. Because it's a massive production, it was something that couldn't travel very easily without a lot of heavy investment. Theater is both wonderful and very expensive unless you have several runs, um, which is why internationally theater tends to be funded by the state and by organizations over, and then very few become really big profitable entities. So when we realized as powerful and as great as that work was, as much as it did, it was not possible to move it in the ways that we wanted to move it. So we thought, what are some of the ideas that popped up in the creation process? What are the other ways that these stories, we realized at the end of the process that we, it wasn't, we weren't done. We thought we'd finish the play and be like, whoa, thanks everyone. Goodbye. We've all done creative projects. We thought it'd be like, it's great. Let's go back. Let's move on back to our normal lives. And then we're like, oh no. It's not over. There's so much more to do. And so that's when we're like, oh my God, we really need to be a company. Oh my God, we need to make a brazen universe. We need to, is there a podcast you can do? Podcast travel. That means you could do even more stories. And now we can think about African women across the continent. Is there, what if we do a children's book? What if we do children's storytelling? Because we really want kids to hear these stories. Like the, the show did a powerful and beautiful thing. And honestly, restaging it would be a joy and a delight. 
Um, and also there's so much work to do. There's so many stories to get out in so many mediums. And I'm forever grateful for the fact that what I thought was going to be a one-off thing became a kind of fundamental part of my life and my life's work. Like these filling the world with stories for African women to feel seen, heard, and beloved. Creating a universe where African women are at the center is so fundamental to my existence. Now I can't, I can barely remember what I was like before that. And so, yeah, I hope we tour it one day. Funders, people with money who are listening, I can send you my MPESA pay bill, don't worry. But either way, <laughs> there's so much happening and there's so much to do that. It's almost, it's important. It's such a big ask. We're going to fill the universe. We're going to make a universe. My goodness. Will we ever stop? Like we're so, so, there's so much work to be done. And it's a delight that there's so much work to be done in sisterhood and community with so many other African women, including yourself. Like this podcast is part of this journey for us, you know, like working with other women, telling stories and centering women's voices is part of the, is part of the filling the world with these stories. So yeah, that was a rambly answer, but yes. <laughs> So you um, you talk about African feminist imagination. How do you define that? Um, I think one of the very first things is um, the recognition that we are not the first and that so much of this work is actively invisible by the world. And so it's calling into everything we do, the voices of other African women um, and kind of claiming lineage and echoing and weaving together. Um, and kind of the uninvisibling work is not just, it's also as part of the process. So the process of the making is even more important than the output. Um, thinking about the ways in which um, the ways in which, uh, you know, so for example, we had a sign language interpreter at the Brazen Show. So, you know, thinking about all of the different blind spots and how to widen our ways, uh, widen our thinking around accessibility and not just accessibility, but like belovedness also, you know, um, this idea of um, uh, naming, we had this at the Brazen Edition, we had a big wall, like a thank you wall where we named all the women that contributed to the making of the show. And one of the things that's really important is understanding just how many people make a thing possible. It's not just the women who wrote it, but it's also, you know, the women who fed us and the women who cheered us on and the women who gave us, you know, um, funds and the women who, you know, like when you start actually seeing the invisible labor that goes into making a thing, it's incredible. Um, and we know it as African women, right? Like we know that. And part of the work is like that we delight in is making that center and visible to the world in whatever ways we can. Um, yeah, I'm curious about like uh, also what Laura and, and, and Mora ha have to contribute to the African feminist imagination conversation. I mean, for me, uh, it I go to I go straight to imagination <laughs> and I I think about the the work of African feminists being freedom work and uh, our imaginations being governed by the stories that we consume and so much of what we consume is 
dictated by white men because those are the ones deciding what goes on TV, what plays on radio, and if and, and it, it, it's the the content that even the people who are deciding if they're not white men <laughs> are consuming that content and and their imaginations trickle down into the way we see the world and that con- it it takes up space in our mind in a way that if we don't challenge how how quickly <laughs> a, a thought of somebody holding power so far away from your lived experience can affect the way you see yourself and the way you experience life and the freedoms that you have access to um then it, it will never take up space in our imagination and and so for me african feminist imagination is looking back <laughs> to see better forward um and 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 seeing better through a, a lens of african feminist work that expands my imagination that challenges my imagination that makes it possible for me to challenge my munchkin's imagination my my munchkin is my little niece her name is kenzie and um because imagination is also such a in my mind a, a child like playful word i i go to children also <laughs> and 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 right now we are working on a children's storytelling podcast uh, called Cabrazens, where we reimagine the stories of, um, and reimagine and mythologize the stories of uh, brazen women in Africa's history who can then become the heroes that my munchkin can reach for. And for her imagination to be filled with the stories of powerful African women rather than Superman, you know, I, not even Wonder Woman, but like Superman. <laughs> if her version of a hero is Makatileli Wamenza, man, I'm I'm ready to buy. Thanks, I've done my job. <laughs> you know, that's what comes to mind for me. Um, yeah, and I think for me, it's I was thinking about. I've been thinking about this a lot, and I'll continue thinking about that question. Like, what does it mean when you're saying we're an African feminist in our work? And of this moment, and ask me again tomorrow. But at, at this moment, um, the two words that just kind of been screaming at me are rigor and grace. So rigor meaning doing the work, you know, it's not, and by doing the work doesn't mean it has to be heavy or like, oh, it's tedious. So sometimes it can be, but by that, I mean, you have to ask yourself the questions. You have to challenge yourself. You have to be like, oh, I didn't know this about myself. So what do I need to do here? Oh, this is a blind spot. Let me learn more this way. Oh, you know more than me. Oh, I wonder who's done this before. I wonder what exists. I wonder what doesn't exist. If I'm telling the story, let me put in the work in terms of my craft. Let me write it carefully. Let me be deliberate in its plot. Let me be intentional about why did I call a colonizer a colorless frog as opposed to just, you know, a colorless gecko. Like that choice didn't happen by mistake. You know, like what are the things that we were doing and why being truly rigorous in the intention and grace, because truly the most joyful and beloved spaces I've ever been in have been in African feminist spaces because there's so much grace. There's so much like, yeah, man, sometimes you try and you fail. Sometimes you make a mistake. Sometimes you're not that good. (laughs) Sometimes you just need to figure it out. Sometimes what you really need to do is sleep. I know you want to do 58 readings. You're tired. Go to bed. You know, sometimes what you need to do is have a drink and cackle with your friends and 
you know, sometimes you need to pull back and push yourself, like give yourself, like treat yourself with grace and treat the women around you and the non-binary people around you with grace because you're doing, because you're so rigorous, because you're doing the work, it's so good to have a space where, you know, because I've done the work and despite not doing the work, I am okay to be myself and to be here and to give myself the things that I need and to give the people around me the things that they need to be their fullest and best and most complete selves. Um, and I think that's that kind of rooting in terms of process is really fundamental because it's, I think, especially kind of like white, you know, white capitalist world does not demand rigor. You get away with anything and does not give grace. You do not. If you're not producing, you're not worthy. And African feminism taught me that both are valuable and important and two sides of the same coin. Um, and that's something we're still learning. And I think probably will forever learn how to bring it into our process, how to bring it out in our work, how to give the listener, the watcher, that same feeling of like, man, I'm so excited to do work on myself. And also I can't wait to party. <laughs> like to feel both things at once is something I'm ex really excited to give to the people in, in our audience and in our lives. I've, I think I've said it before in the, the, the podcast, but I know I definitely wrote a, um, a blog about it, um, which was titled um, History is His Story. And, you know, you find many women just feel that, okay, I don't know where to find these um, African women who are role models, who have been brazen, that have, you know, um, beaten paths where no one thought they could. So I just wanted to find out from you, what is your research process like? Because it's certainly not in our history books, you know, the ones where we go to school, <laughs> you know, all the stories are like, oh, this king, oh, you know, that king. And, you know, but where are the queens? Where are those stories that would really uplift us and, and inspire our generation and the generations to come? Um, so we're also learning it. We're finding that it's slightly different depending on which um, product and process. So, but very, very broadly, our creation process begins with visioning. And I think that's step one also for the research process. What is it you want to talk about? Why do you want to talk about it? What colors, what does it taste like? What does it look like? What does it feel like? Um, and then that really inspires and informs like, ooh, if we want it to feel textured and multi-layered and it's really going to be all about Kenya, then we need to find women who are across the board. Or if it's, if it's like playful or whatever, then we need to find stories of women from the continent who have enough meat that can be translated into something that like are 10 minutes shorts. Um, so the visioning is like always step one because then that informs your kind of research outputs. And then um, in the past, we've done a lot of the research ourselves. And this is, you know, putting up a tweet being like, hey, we want to talk about this thing. Does anyone know people from this area? Or like, does anyone know about this kind of person? Um, also reading, like we've all come across and stumbled across people before. And there's, there's a lot of things that exist. I think one of the challenges is nothing is, related so 
the moment you type and you search, you'll find something to jump onto and hold onto. But it's that beginning step that can be very difficult. Um, and then, so asking around, reaching out to people who are smarter than you, who know more than you. Um, top tip, academics love being asked questions. People are writing seven books on one person and they like want somebody to read it. Ask, like, I, I know you've kind of talked about this person. Can I ask you questions? Do you know more? They'll probably answer you. So I think that's been the research process. We've mostly done it ourselves for this, for Cabrezans. We had a research lead who did like some top line kind of research and information gathering, which we'll now get into. Um, and each woman and each story might have its own particular process. So for a living woman, we'll probably, actually not probably, definitely want to interview them and get their specific perspective. For historical women, some are really well documented and you don't need to watch or find so much. There's a documentary, there's books. Some might not and those might need a lot more intensive work um so it's really really case specific it's very hard to say this is the total research process and we're hoping to refine that as we grow and move but truly the first step is visioning and i guess maybe step two is asking just asking people you know like where should i go what should i do which direction can i head and google is also a person to ask <laughs> Let's, let's be real. Um, so that is so true. Uncle Google, is it Auntie Google? We don't know which one it is. <laughs> um, you know, what I really love um, about the work that you're doing, and um, even in your bio, you said that you, you found a sisterhood. Um, it was like you had dreamt about it and then you found each other and, you know, you compliment each other. I would love to learn from you. And, you know, there's always that stereotype. Oh, women can't work together. Oh, women are so catty. All of that kind of stuff. <laughs> and I'm like, no, it's actually possible, guys. It's possible. Um, what would you say are... Where are your strengths as um, that you bring to your sisterhood? And, I, and then later on, we'll talk about where you think maybe your weaknesses are and how you help each other up. And this is a very interesting question at a very interesting time because today has really been a day of reflection. Really, really thinking about what our strengths are and what our weaknesses are. Um, we birthed Brazen over a period of nine months into 2018. Um, and let me tell you, our ancestors brought us together because I don't even understand how it happened. Um, we, I think one of the biggest strengths is how much rigor and grace, as Maura mentioned, um, we, we bring to not just the work, but also to, to the process and to the community building. Um, and we spend a lot of time, uh, not just focused on the productivity angle of it, but like in the how of it also is very important. You know, and of course then one of the things that we're, we're, we're grappling with in this moment is as the sisterhood grows, um, this, energy that the three of us know how to navigate amongst ourselves um, has to create space for others also. 
and what does that look like and how do we move in that way and that's something that we're 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 really challenging ourselves and starting to try and and learn um the three of us are different three generations three different star signs we've learned how to um love each other and we've also learned how to fight with each other and we know that when one person digs their heels in we always are like okay why we're I think we're genuinely interested in the work and we're genuinely interested in each other and that interest and care is what is the foundation of of the sisterhood and the respect for each other um yeah i just want to dig a little deeper there cuz um alea i believe that you are the one that you related first right so you reached out to um laura and mora and what what made you do that it was around this time in 2017 actually and uh it's always difficult being a kenyan woman and we were going through a very specifically difficult time in that moment there was like high levels unusually high levels of femicide and like it just felt, it, i don't know it just felt harder than i had experienced before and i remember thinking like the only way that we're going to survive this is if we learn what the survival mechanisms were of the women who came before us and then asking but who were those women and then trying to understand but like beyond the the flat stories that are told of them what were their lives in in their complexity and like really wanting to like dip into that ferocity and like wrap their skin around ours and like like understand how they dealt with betrayal and trauma and joy and you know all of those things felt like some kind of like a source of energy like like that was essential and um also selfishly i love to be on stage and so it felt like this thing would be really cool to do as a stage show um but work like this does not get done by one person you know that was very clear from the very beginning um i have admired the work of ann and laura like deeply and on a limb at midnight like wrote an email and was like and you know was kind of fingers crossed and I also started a little bit of a I haven't really carried it forth but like this idea of kind of gifting yourself a birthday present and I thought this would be a cool thing to gift myself the process of working on this you know like not so much the output but like it'd be kind of cool to do this you know but I cannot do this by myself and so I ulilated and that has become the 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 ulilation has become the way that um the sisterhood grows and i now recognize actually i was not the ululator originator the ancestors ululated first um and then i ululated outwards and was ululated back to and we continued to ululate you know um many ululations later here we are um and moran and laura said yes and that in itself is a real testament to like just taking a risk on a thing that you don't have no idea what it's going to be but know that the work is is valuable and important and and say yes to seeing what happens and where it goes and that's that's kind of been the spirit of how we operate 
So, um, Laura, if we now talk about sisterhood on a, um, I guess a bigger level and not just the three of you, what would you say to women about scaling our sisterhood as African women? All three of us are very hardworking. We share a work ethic, which is what I think makes it, makes it easier to survive the nights when it's like, I don't know if I can do this anymore. We see each other pushing through and we're like, okay, I, I, I know, I know that look fine. I'll push through with you. And it's in seeing each other and holding each other's hands and supporting each other that we can survive. <laughs> um, and also we are only the three of us and, and it, we have also gotten to moments where the three of us are not enough. And we have had other women come and hold us up in the, the ways that only they can uh, with a phone call or a message or remember that thing, that play you guys did three years ago? Well, it's the reason I wrote this book. <laughs> um, and and it's it's like, you know, when you're Porsche and Chai and it's like you're just mugging into the other cup and um, pouring back and forth. It's it's like a balancing and sharing and uh, this it's too hot in this cup let's move it into this cup and then move it into this cup um and the only the only the the the, the thing that's kept us going is it, it, accepting um those moments where, where people say here's a thing that that was inspired by the thing that you did and also asking for help <laughs> which mm, mm, sometimes is a little difficult to do for us who want to do everything on our own which um is impossible as Alea just shared um and it, that sisterhood is insane <sighs> i got to 60 percent today please help me get to 80 we got to 80 please help us get to 90 oh i know somebody who can get us get to help us get to 95 and reaching out and embracing the people who respond to those ululations and continuing that cycle. And I say it now and it sounds very simple. <laughs> and, and I also know that it's, it's, a, it's, 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 um, the building when you're, when you're creating something that feels very precious to you, it's, it's difficult to share of that thing because you don't know what can happen. And also you're making that thing to share. <laughs> um, and and it, it only gets better by other people um, inputting their voices, inputting their perspectives, because you are only a you, even when you come together, you're, you're, you're as expansive and also as limited to your experiences and your perspectives. And the more perspectives you can have as part of your building work and your nurturing work, um, the richer the thing can be. Um, yeah, I think that's what I have to say about that. I don't know if I've answered the question, though. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, great. So, Maura, what would you, what would you say, um, describes the journey that you've had with these two lovely ladies, Alea and Laura, um, over these, now you said 17. So I'm not good with math. I need a calculator. Like, is this what, four years? <laughs> Three years? <laughs> so, so, but what has 
that journey been like for you and um what has it done for you i mean the journey has been i is i a word i think all of us know i <laughs> and i don't mean that in a negative way it's been just it's like truly that sound is the, is the best description i can come up with because it was so unexpected and random except in retrospect perhaps not and perhaps guided by forces greater than us and has moved in directions and in ways that we can't imagine every time we're on the verge of like let's give up literally two years ago we were with during the pandemic is it two years ago now yeah two years ago 2019 no is that 2020 i don't even know you know the covid ruined time I don't know when it was, but <laughs> in the depths of COVID, we're in different counties, Kenya's in lockdown and completely different counties trying to figure out how to work digitally. All our proposals got a good fat zero and rejection. No money's coming in. We had nothing going. We weren't doing work. We were loving. The few things that seemed to be there were falling apart. It was a terrible time for us. And we're reaching this point of, do we even... Can we even? And then we made a choice. Like we came here to tell stories. Let's just try. Let's just try. And like reached out to a woman who was like, I want to help you tell this thing. What can I do for you? Decided to just like, let's just make this episode. I don't know where it'll go. It doesn't even matter. Let's just do it. Let's just make this lamb letter. At least once a month, we'll write something. Like, and the moment we made that decision, literally two days later, here's an email saying, hey, can we pay you to tell the story? And another message, hey, can we pay you to tell your own story? Like, like the universe is like, finally, you've listened. So here's like a little reward to remind you that this is what you're meant to do. And we found this journey has been so much feeling going in the wrong direction and then hitting the wall and realizing I need to come back to the point. And you get there and it's like, oh, now this thing's moving. And like falling back in love with our voice and our both our independent voices and our, and our kind of TLS lamp sisterhood voice. So it's been a wild and unpredictable journey. It's been deeply transformative for me personally because it's helped me in the work which I know doesn't belong within the, the Lamb Sisterhood. There's work which I do, which I'm like, I don't think this is quite here, you know? The Lamb Sisterhood isn't going to write my novel for me. And I wish it would because it probably would have been finished by now, but... It isn't. So like there's things which are mine that I have to do, but it's, it's been so transformative being surrounded by women who I respect so deeply being meeting women and non-binary people who are, I respect even more who want to give, who want to give and who are generous in their time and their thinking in discovering skill, discovering what we're good at, even outside of creatives, even as entrepreneurs, like, Oh, I'm really good at strategic thinking. And I, really still count on my fingers. Maybe let me not do accounts, you know, like figuring out all these different parts of myself in a space that would, that felt both safe and risky, like safe because I'm with people I trust and risky because I'm doing things. I have no idea how we'll accomplish was such a gift and so transformative. And like, I truly wish that experience for everyone in whatever form that takes for you. But I really, really hope people find their version of that experience one or another because it really changed my life for the better by a good long distance. 
Well, 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 we are coming to the end. But I do want to give a shout out to Paula Rogo because she's the one that pointed me in your direction. And funny enough, we are in a community, um, Paula and I, in a community of African female um, podcasters. So I was like, guys, I'm looking for the people to interview. Who can I talk to? And Paula was like, Lamb Sisters Girl. You gotta talk to them <laughs> now, guys. You understand why Paula did the connect. I hope you understand. What are you working on right now? How can they reach out to you? How can they find out more about what you are doing? I am personally waiting for the brazen edition in Zambia. Like, I'm just throwing it out there. Sponsors, hey, we're waiting. We're here. We're here. The audience is here. So I don't know about you, but anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes yes amen to coming to zambia amen to doing the brazen edition tour that would be so so exciting um it would be so lovely to meet you we've been um touching up we've been like um wow the words have refused <laughs> when when you reached out to us it was so great to like deep dive and then pull out and see all of the content that you're creating and it's incredible um so i'm very we're very much looking forward to meeting you in human form um and embracing you and and interacting and hopefully collaborating in some ways beyond this interview um because sisterhood <laughs> and so right now at the lamb sisterhood we are building out the brazen universe of course, with the Brazen Edition as our jumping off point. And the product in the Brazen universe that we're working on is, as we mentioned earlier, Cabrazens, which is storytelling for the little ones in a podcast format. It's actually what we're, we're, we're locked away together, but we're sitting in different rooms um, because we're, we're trying to write all these episodes of all these incredible women and doing all this discovery and research work. And it's very exciting. So Keep your ears out for that. There is a pilot episode that's doing the rounds in terms of like testing because that's an important part of our process. And that is in our lamb letter, which is another way you can find us. So if you type in bit, B-I-T dot L-Y, it's a bitly link slash lamb letter, L-A-M-L-E-T-T-E-R. That's where we share life, love, and lessons every single month. And you get to hear from each and every, from the L, the A, and the M. And then you get a little snippet of what's going on and what we're busy doing or what we're busy listening to or consuming. And so that's the best way to um, interact with us. Yeah. Uh, So guys... You know, interacting with these ladies is like my favorite because there is always going to be a song which they will send. And I'm like, yes, I got a new song. Like I'm being introduced to different artists and I'm just like jamming after reading their emails. I love it. (laughs) So I have... Thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. Thank you so, so much for taking the time to come and speak to the community of Africana women. And um, I'm sure that they have enjoyed it just as much as I have. Thank you so much, ladies. Thank you too, Chulu. Thank you so, so much for hosting us. This has been such a joy. I don't know how you start. How you thought to start with children questions in the beginning, but I was like, hmm, what's happening here? What machinations? <laughs> Does she know we're doing a children's storytelling podcast? Hmm? <laughs>
Thank you so much, Chulu. This has been awesome. So such good vibes and, and I'm so keen to keep following the Africana community and um, learning from other African women around us. Yeah, thank you again. Just echoing everything they've said times 10. Thank you. If you are creative, I know you definitely took away many pointers from this episode. We are all storytellers and that's the truth. So what is the story that you are telling yourself and telling others? I think key takeaways are one, if you find something interesting, someone else will also find it interesting. Two, you cannot do great things alone. Three, take ownership of your story and don't let external forces dictate to you what your story is, lest you believe them. So I'm back with the homework. <laughs> let's call it personal reflection. Okay, let's do that. Pull out your pen and journal, and I want you to write down your story that reflects where you are right now in life. So when you're done writing your story, I want you to go through it. And at every point that you have said you are not able to do something, I want you to ask yourself, why? Five times. So this is an example. The story reads, I want to start a business, but I haven't yet started it. So the question would be, why have I not started the business? Because I don't have time. Why do I not have time? Because I have a lot of duties and things to do. Why do you have a lot of duties? Because I don't trust people to do it the way that I can. Why don't you trust people to do the work diligently? Because I have not trained them. Why have you not trained them? Because I'm scared it will be a waste of my time and they will leave me or the company just as quickly. So do you get the gist? In this example, there are some limiting beliefs revealed and there needs to be a new story told. And that story could be, I trust that the right people will support me and I will delegate what I don't need to do so as I can say yes to doing the things I really want to do. So to summarize our personal reflection, Write down your story and check yourself, like really check yourself on why you have told yourself that you cannot do something. Then rewrite the story just like that. <laughs> Let me know how it goes. So you know how we do it here. Give people their roses right now. Please find the Lamb Sisterhood on Instagram at sisterhood underscore lamb. Tell them you heard them on the Africana Woman podcast and share what you learned. By the way, their children's podcast, Cabrazen, 
officially launched during Africa Podcast Day 2022. Congratulations, ladies. I am very excited for our children to have African heroines brought to life by your outstanding storytelling skills. So please do find Cabrazen and listen to it with your little ones. You guys know this. <laughs> my playground is Instagram. So find me at Trulio underscore by design. Tag me. Tell your friends about the Africana Woman podcast. And let me know what you took away from this episode. So talk to you soon. <laughs> this has been a production of Africana Woman podcast.